0: Our Bible reading this morning is taken from John 16, chapter 16. I'm reading from the NIV version. It's John 16, chapter 1 to 16. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogue, and time is coming for those who will kill you and will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is the best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sin and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refused to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Verse 11. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you of what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he received from me. And that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he received from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Just an encouragement for you to um whoa, not break the furniture. Um you can fix almost anything you break. Super Superglue fix it. No, the encouragement was to be um generous for both of those things, the care outreach as well as the um the shoe box. Um, Jenny was was hoping I think to get somewhere close to a hundred shoeboxes for a last congregation. So that's all different sorts of things, toys and stuff. It's all in the thing there. So just an encouragement for us to be generous givers. Let's pray before we have a look at this passage of God's Word. Lord God, as we come now we have a look at your Word, we ask that you might um, guide us, that we might understand, help us to be um, people who walk according to your Spirit. Father, that you might give us grace to understand a little bit more of why it is that you call us to do this. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice the title up here is Walk in the Spirit. We, we use words like that constantly, don't we, as Christian people? You know? Walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be good Christians. Whatever whatever it is people say, they, the suggestion is that they want you to live in a particular way. And uh, Jesus in this passage, John, end of John 15, beginning of John 16 has been talking to his disciples and one of the things is he he gives a promise of sending them the Holy Spirit and he gives them a number of reasons of why it is that it's important that he send the Spirit to them. The implication is that the reasons that he gives they need to take on board as to why it is that they are to live in union with the Spirit of God working within them. Why it is that they should walk according to the Spirit. What do do we mean by that? We mean that as the Spirit prompts us and guides us and directs us, we keep in step with him. The things that we know Christians should live like, talk like, act like, speak like, be, we should actually operate hand in hand with the Spirit, listening to his promptings. And what I'd like to do today is look at four reasons that come out of this passage of Jesus saying, this is why you need to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. This is reasons why the Spirit comes to you. Take note of them, apply them to your life. For the first reason, I want to jump back a little bit to the end of chapter 15 and read a couple of verses, uh, verse 18 to 20 and then 26 27. You'll probably see them up there. It says, Jesus saying this, because he's just told them that they, as his disciples, are going to be persecuted. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. When the counsellor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the context for him about to say, I'm going to send you the Spirit, is he says to them, I'm going to send you because you have to recognise you no longer belong to the world. If you were in the world, you were one of them, you would belong. But I'm sending you the Spirit because you no longer belong to the world, you're separate from them. And therefore walk according to the Spirit in understanding that you no longer belong anymore to the world. And I think for, for us as Christian people, we kind of get this up here, but we still want to blend I think the way that we talk about it in terms of um, our everyday living in human terms is that we want to kind of, if we're different from people, we somehow want to get closer that those differences don't divide us. And we think that's the natural human response. It's not always possible. I remember going to the Sudan and trying to blend. Um, It doesn't work. I mean, I can wear the clothes, I can try and talk Arabic. I'm white. I don't blend really well amongst Sudanese folk. It just doesn't work. No matter how long I spend in the sun, I just look red instead of white. It you know, doesn't help. And so I have to recognize in that situation that I'm different. And whatever it is that I do to come alongside folk and to share the gospel with them and to talk with them, that difference is, is always there we can still be friends, we can still interrelate, we can still interact with one another, but there's a difference, there's a, in one sense a barrier. Now we try and blend as much as we can. What Jesus is saying is that we have to recognise as Christian people that we're different. And not a difference in the sort of way that we try and put that difference aside so we can blend. But if we truly are going to be Christian people, that difference is going to be obvious to folks. And it's not a bad thing. He's saying you don't belong in the world anymore. You're out of the world. You're different from the world. And you need to live like that. I think this comes across as something that we find hard to do as Christian people. But he said, I'm sending you the Spirit of God to, if you like, confirm in you, but also, as we'll see in a moment, to guide you into how it is that you need to live so that you are separate from the world. Because, you see, it's hard for us to work out when to blend and when not to blend. Um, the example that I was thinking of when I was considering this was when we were working in Ethiopia, one of the things they liked us to do in terms of blending you know, was to eat and drink the food that we were offered. I remember being in one place and I was offered this uh, coffee. Um, it wasn't the worst coffee, but... Um, it didn't have blood and milk and urine and all those sorts of things that sometimes were in the coffee that you had to drink. But they would put, instead of sugar, they would put a teaspoon and a half of salt in the little cup to drink. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like salt in my coffee. Um, and I, you know, I was in this group of, of elders, and we were kind of sitting down. I blended by sitting on the floor, and I'm not good at that either. Um, and so we're drinking this coffee. It was a dirt floor, which was really good, because when they weren't looking, I kind of tipped out behind me and there's this little wet patch behind me, but that was okay. I ended up going through three cups of this awful coffee, and I think I probably had to drink about one of them. And as we were leaving, one of the Ethiopian pastors who was with me, he said, you drank that stuff? I said, what do you mean I drank that stuff? You drank yours. He said, no, I just left it there. It's awful. And I said, I didn't have to drink that stuff? He said, no, just leave it. Uh, they just offer it to you. Just don't drink it. They're not going to be offended. And I thought, you should have told me this beforehand. <coughs> I didn't know. And then, the, you know, that's when one place where I could have easily been different and said, I don't want, I wouldn't have offended anybody. You just don't quite know what to do. On the other hand, I remember going and visiting my um, prospective in-laws for the first time. And, you know, white Australian, traditional Chinese family. And you don't sit like a white Australian and not offend you know, your conservative Chinese future mother and father in law. Because you don't show them different parts of your feet and everything else. All those sorts of things can be offensive. And I didn't realize all of this, and nobody told me, and they should have. <laughs> that was a glare at my wife, whom I love very much. And he says, You don't belong anymore. And that's why you need to walk in the Spirit so you know how to do it. How you live like Jesus. Because the world isn't going to hate us because of us, but it's going to hate us because of our relationship with Christ. It is going to not like us, reject us, persecute us, because it sees Jesus in us. On the other hand, it will also accept and listen to our teaching and everything because it's the teaching and Christ that they hear and the the love of Christ that they see. So in order to live like that, we have to walk like that. Now for me, that's a good reason to walk in the Spirit, that I might actually be separate from the world as I'm supposed to be. Reading again from just the end part of chapter 15 and then a little bit later in chapter 16, for the second reason when the counsellor comes whom I will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who goes out from the father he will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning all that I have told you so that you will not go astray then towards the end of chapter 16 or the middle of chapter 16 I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Oh, I forgot to start the timer for how long I'm preaching for. So I'm starting it now. So that was just a preamble. Fortunate, lucky people. The second reason. Why do we walk in the Spirit? Well, from what Jesus has just said, the reason he sends the Spirit to us is that it's because the Spirit knows how to walk. He knows how to live in such a way that our lives will look like Christ. You know, we talk about the fact that the Spirit has come to guide us into all truth. Now, he's done that through the scriptures. He does that as he works through people to to share into our lives. He does that through experience, all sorts of ways. Even the, the inner prompting that we have in our heart shows us, as the Spirit guides us, how it is that a Christian person is supposed to live that they look like Jesus, that his lordship is evident in our life what Jesus is saying is that the Spirit will guide you because basically we don't know as I've just given in that last example why do we listen to the Spirit? to show us that we're different from the world but also because He's the one who knows the right way to walk He's the one that knows the right way to talk and therefore if we don't come back to the Spirit of God to be our guide we're going to end up more and more just seeking to conform or being guided by the world around us to conform or just matching strides with the people around us who we think are Christians and we begin to look like them instead of to look like Christ. And therefore, it's it's a responsibility for all of us as Christian people to have a think about what is the Spirit teaching me? How is he asking me to live that I might look like Jesus? and that guidance that he comes is something that each one of us as he works within us might be guiding us to show different aspects of Christ maybe at times in the people around us and so we all individually have to think and to look and to listen and to follow Where I suppose my question is where, where do you get your guidance from on what Jesus expects you to live like Jesus says, I'm sending you the Spirit dwelling within each one of you because he will take what is mine and give it to you. He will testify what I want you to live by." So my challenge for you is walk in the Spirit. Why? Because it's the only way you can be certain, if you like, that your attitudes are going to reflect who Christ wants you to be, who Christ is, in you it would be really nice for example to be able to just lay out here a 10-12 point plan this is what it looks like you must do this, you must do this you must do this, you must do this and often we talk about that because there's some givens in scriptures this is what Christians do and don't behave like but there's lots of other situations in life which I suppose for some of us we might call grey and yet God wants us to behave in a particular way. And so Jesus says, for each of us, the Holy Spirit dwells within show us, shows how to walk. Then the third point. John chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. Say this: He, the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The third point. Why should we walk in the Spirit? Because it brings glory to God. When we walk according to the Spirit, where the life of Jesus Christ has been magnified in us, he is honoured by the way that we walk. We've been taken from um, slavery to sin to being a child of God and in some ways I think it's harder for us in, 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 in our Western environment to understand this idea of doing something totally for the benefit of someone else. I remember growing up and people would have a job with an employer for 50 years and their aim was to benefit their employer. Now if that's what you do it's kind of seen as sick. get there, get the stuff for yourself move on, get your stuff going loyalty to something outside of yourself is something that's foreign Jesus says look I'm giving you the spirit because as he works in you you will glorify me you won't be magnified Jesus says he will be magnified and he says the only way that you can understand that is as the spirit works in you that Christ might be magnified in what we do and I think this is one of the things that we as Christians struggle with. That Jesus might be lifted up in what we do. We, we want that to happen. And yet so often we push ourselves forward when we don't listen to Christ, the Spirit of Christ in us. And therefore he's not glorified. The fourth thing, and probably... Um, what I can see is one of the more difficult reasons that he says, and probably the basis of a lot of this whole chapter, is outlined in verses 7 to 11. So let me read that with you. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer And in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned the fourth reason why we need to walk in the spirit and the reason that Jesus says forgiving the spirit to come and live within us to testify to us about how it is to live to praise his name, is because with the Spirit living in us and guiding us and showing us how to live to glorify Jesus, the world is convicted. Now That's a strange word, convict. And it can mean a number of things, and it's translated in a number of ways. But basically, with the way that John understands the world, and he's just talking about the hatred of the world, He's saying that as we stand up as Christian people, living as Christ wants us to, we're going to be, if you like, I suppose the word might be a watershed in the world. Or we are going to reveal the truth about Christ to the world that's going to cause them to respond in this decisive manner, if you like. Those who belong to Christ, those are the ones that he's drawing to himself, will see the way that we behave and they're going to be attracted to Christ because they already are going to love Christ and they move towards him. But the others are going to be convicted and they're going to see the reality of Jesus and they're going to know and turn away. They're no longer going to be able to remain ignorant of the truth of Christ Jesus because of the way that we live. I think we're not quite sure of the fact, or we don't like the fact, or we don't understand the fact, that one of the reasons we're called upon to be Christians in the world is to be that sort of watershed in many people's lives. Which showed them the reality of Christ and the reality of, as we'll get to in a moment, sin, righteousness, and judgment. So that they actually turn away as well as they respond positively and it's the spirit of God working within us that causes this to happen as we reflect Christ in the world and I've actually even had a conversation with with someone at the end of the last service who said basically they didn't like that they didn't necessarily want that as an outcome that people might know the truth and go away from Christ and yet if we're going to live as people who are separate from the world, that's what we're called upon to be. Because when Jesus came, whilst he showed love and care and he was compassion, he brought people in, he healed and all sorts of things, he gave this watershed feeling to folks in that they either turned to him and acknowledged his me- message and they came under his lordship or they rejected him to the stage where they in fact ended up killing him crucifying him nailing him on the tree because he was showing God to them in such a way that they understood the reality of sin which was rebellion against God they understood if you like, from seeing Christ, the true righteousness. And they understood that God was coming to judge, which is a part of the understanding when they saw Christ, that's how they reacted to it. And so Jesus says, I'm going to send the Spirit to you, who's going to show you how to live, and the same things are going to happen as you live as a Christian person. The Spirit of God is going to work in such a way that he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. In other words as you live like a Christian in the world, because the Spirit of God is guiding you, you will present the reality of these three things to people. Firstly, sin, because they don't believe in me. What's the basis of sin? The basis of sin is the fact that we rebel against God, who has a right to rule our lives. With all sorts of words the scriptures talk about it. They talk about the fact that we dishonor him. We take away from his glory. We rebel against his law. You know, all sorts of things we can't pay back. We don't, We miss the mark. But the core problem there is this rebellion against God. And so what Jesus says to his disciples, the Spirit's going to work in you such a way that you show the world by the way that you live that Christ is Lord and belief in him is what should happen, and anything that's different from that is is the reality of sin. In other words, he's saying that when we live before people, they're supposed to understand that sin is not whether I do good, bad, the basis of sin. The way that we talk to people is not supposed to show them, if you do this, you're a sinner and you're bad, if you do this, you're okay and acceptable. But the way that we talk, the way that we act, the reality that we show to people is it's belief in Christ and his lordship over my life that is right. It's a relationship with Jesus that makes me right and acceptable before God, not just the things I do. Now, that's confusing for us because we know that the spirit of God will lead us to behave in a particular way. But we have to be careful as we live according to him that that way doesn't just proclaim a goodness but that what we proclaim in the way that we live is Jesus is king and he's the one who has a right to tell me how to live. And if you don't listen to Christ if you're in rebellion against Christ you don't believe in him that's the rejection and rebellion against God. That's the core basis of sin. Christ is God. He says also that the way that we live is going to convict the world of righteousness. And we kind of have this idea sometimes that righteousness is getting right with God. How do do we do that? Well, Jesus says, in righteousness, because I've gone and you don't see me any longer. The Jews, as they killed him, understood that Jesus had been condemned for being unrighteous, for being a sinner. But the proclamation that we make is, we see him no longer because he's now seated at the throne in glory. Everything that he did has been accepted by God and true righteousness, our true righteousness, is not by doing things because we can never earn favor with God on our own, but true righteousness is because we have Christ's righteousness. I'm acceptable by God not because of what I've done but because God has accepted all that he has done. And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the way that we proclaim that to the world, and this is why this, for me, is one of the struggles and why Jesus says, you need the Spirit. Because we can't lay down a, a whole list of ways that if we do this, we will make certain that the message we give is uncompromisingly clear. We can't have a ten-point plan. That That's religion. This relationship we show with Christ is one where we live a holy life before people, but we don't live a life that says, if you do the things I do, you have a relationship with God that makes you acceptable. What we say is, we live the way we do because we believe in Jesus and it's believing in Christ that you have his righteousness and you're acceptable to God because everything that you've done is dealt with by what Christ has done. True righteousness is through Christ. You know? My grandmother always used to tell me and I love my grandmother. I love both of my grandmothers. One more than the other. But <laughs> I hope my parents don't read that, you can't tell which one. Um, you know, but she would always tell me, you know, you gotta do what's right, you do the Ten Commandments and that's it. And if you do those everything's cool. Well, should we keep the Ten Commandments? Yeah, we should. Does that make me right with God? No. And that that balance of being a good, righteous, holy liver before God and yet at the same time proclaiming that that doesn't make me right with God, only Christ makes me right with God. To make a way of explaining that to people is really tough. And so Jesus says, I'm going to send the Spirit. So that he can guide you and prompt you so that you know how to live in such a way that that's what you proclaim. And lastly, he says, so that you'll convict the world, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Not their judgment necessarily, but he said because the prince of this world has been defeated already, Satan's already been defeated, that's the judgment that your life as the spirit works within you is going to declare to people. That... You used to be a slave of sin where Satan had dominion over you, if you like, to control and to make or to influence or whatever it is. He, you are slave to that. You're no longer because he has been condemned. He no longer has power over you. You've been released. You've been brought out. You no longer belong to the world. And in order that you can live like that before people so that you proclaim to them, I don't no longer live according to the world, <coughs> I'm going to send the spirit that he will guide you. So that as we live, we declare to the world that all those things which used to control us, influence us, have us hold on us, no longer do. But we do it in such a way that we don't say there's judgment, but we proclaim that we get righteousness through Christ. And all of this... Is a watershed for people. Let me give you an example of, of this last one, I suppose, which came to me this week. On Friday night, I was really grumpy with my family. Um, unreasonably grumpy with my family. If you ask them, they'll tell you. A little small thing, and I just let it get out of control. You know, I was a sook, and it went on for an extended period of time. I'm really embarrassed to talk about it. You know, it was just silly. But I kind of, if you like, that just kind of had control. I was in a situation where I just... I just gave in to stupidness. Small little thing made me grumpy and grouchy and sooky and silent and childish, if you like. And what what did I declare just by the way that I lived there? That I kind of had no control over the situation, that this event was forcing me to behave in a particular way. Besides the helpful comments from my family along the way that I should have behaved more maturely, I had the promptings within, you don't have to behave like this. You can be gracious here. You can be forgiving. You can be patient. You can be kind. You really shouldn't be behaving like you are, David. David. You know, if you like, the Holy Spirit was in me telling me this stuff has no power over you. You actually should be living in such a way that everybody else knows this doesn't have power over you. But you're not. You're acting like a real dweeb. You know, get over it. Now, I very consciously push those thoughts aside for a couple of hours. right? Maybe even more than a couple of hours. I reveled in my whatever. My life did not show forth to the world that Satan had been defeated because I allowed the world to influence the way that I lived. And what was it? It was a purposeful rejection of walking with the Spirit. Now I'm all forgiven. We're all cool, and everything's right again. So everything's cool. God is great, right? But our lives are actually supposed to evidence that all the time. That when, uh, the way that we live, and the way that we deal with people, the way that we love one another, the way that we're compassionate, the way that we Walk. actually the world should as they watch us live understand that all the things that control them and keep them down and hold them in place no longer have any sway over us and they say I don't know how you could behave like that in that situation and we can say well Jesus is king he's lord that no longer has power over me that's how I can live like that now what's what's what happens when we live like this? Well we declare to the world a number of truths. That's what this passage says. By living like that before the world, we show them that they need to have a relationship with Christ. We show them that they can get right with God through that relationship with Christ, and that He then enables them to live freely in the world, free from sin and free from all the other encumberments. And Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, that he will guide you so that you can do that, so the world will know that you're separate from them, that I'm king and I will be glorified in all of that. Now for me, those four reasons then are an encouragement for me to live and walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit of God, if you're a Christian person, lives within you, guiding you every moment of every day. You should keep in step with him, listening to the promptings and urgings that he gives you within your heart, within your mind, from the scriptures, from the Christian friends. Why? Because you're no longer a part of this world. You're separate from it. And you should follow the standards and ways of living separate. You You should follow to be like Jesus. Why should you do that? Because the only way that you will know how to walk in such a way that pleases God is if you listen to the Spirit. Because he knows what Jesus is like. And he knows what Jesus wants you to do. And no one else does. That's why you should walk according to the Spirit. Because it's the only way you can walk that will be Christian. I remember growing up and walking like my dad walked. Believing like my dad believed. You asked me why I had faith. Well, because my dad did. Why did I believe that God worked this way? Well, because my dad did. And it took a while going through to actually begin to say, well, because this is what... God says in the scriptures. So that the way that I acted and the way that I walked was because that's how God was prompting. Third reason, because if we walk according to the Spirit it's the only way that we will glorify Christ in our life. If we walk any other way we really either glorify ourselves or we give glory to nobody but if we walk according to the Spirit then He gets the glory for our life. And fourthly, and probably the one that I think is is harder to understand I think than some of the other ones if we actually do live like this then we actually become who God wants us to be in the world you see God actually wants his presence to be made manifest to the world either to draw people to himself or so that they are not ignorant of the fact that he's there and present to reveal his holiness before them to be a watershed he wants us to be in the world not of the world light set upon a hill salt and light we can only be that if we truly walk according to the spirit in the world we can blend in and we cannot make a difference we cannot be separate or we can stand out and in that standing out praise jesus the only way we can do that is by listening to the spirit of god within us let's pray Heavenly Father, I pray that you might take each of us who owns you as Lord. And that you might help us, strengthen us. To